Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by The Harrier. If you're looking for any awesome t-shirts, stickers, articles on track and field, Harrier is going to be your place to go. They have awesome, awesome stuff uh, and things that you're definitely not going to want to miss out on if you enjoy this show right here. And also, if you see any cool drops, they just actually released their new fall line. Uh, go and use code TWN to get yourself 20% off at checkout. Um, now, so today, this is now what, week two or week three of track and field officially being over. Uh, there's road races going on and, and marathons going on, but uh, instead of talking about that right now, this episode wanted to break down as kind of a Q&A. So I posed on Instagram, uh, hey, what questions do you want me to answer? And we got a good amount of people posting things. We're going to be going through uh, about six or so questions that we got. And if you would like to pose questions for future question and answers, uh, make sure that you follow me on Instagram at Track World News. We post a whole bunch of clips, highlights, stuff like that over there. So make sure that you go and follow us over, over there. So uh, we have a lot of really good ones. And I would say the, the first one that I want to talk with should be a really quick one. It was, what is your favorite event? And so this was from... Matthew Karam four. So what's your favorite event? Um, for me, it's pretty easy. It's got to be pole vault. Uh, I was a pole vaulter in high school and in college. That's what I focused in. And while I do love, you know, sprints and, and throws and distance to an extent, for me, it's, it's not really even close. Pole vaulting is just the clear favorite event for me. It's, it's just super exciting. I mean, it's something that I did for my entire life, I mean, if you were for a good portion of my life, if you were to say, okay, take pole vaulting out of it because you competed in that, pick a different event, uh, then I would probably go with um, like the tension that leads up to a 100 is super exciting. No, actually, no, scratch that, not the 100, uh, the 4x4. I would say the 4x4 after the pole vault is probably my favorite um, on the field event side. I'd probably be going with long jump, uh, maybe, maybe high jump in there, but uh, those would definitely be my favorite events. If you're talking about favorite throw, uh, I'd have to go with shot put. I think shot put's insane to me. And then if you're talking distance race, I would say it's the 1500. The 1500 is probably my favorite distance race. So uh, those are going to be my my favorite track events. Uh, next one, uh, this was from Ivan K25. Actually, we were former teammates back in college. Ivan, hope you're doing well, man. Uh, what is your biggest regret? that you've had during your college track career. So uh, this one is, was a, is a tough one for me to think of because a lot of people say, oh, I live life with no regrets. There's nothing that, that I regret. And for me, like that's not the case. Like there's definitely things that I wish that I had done in college and there's, I wish that I had done in high school that I just didn't do. And there's a lot of things had I not done them, I would have definitely regretted. Uh, and so I would say for me, um, not focusing more on the mental aspect of pole vaulting is the biggest issue for me because for me, I, I had good talent. Like I, I was talented enough. Like, I mean, I wasn't 
going to be winning NCAAs or anything like that. But I, I, I had good talent and I could tell that I was pretty athletic and I could be potentially pretty successful. Uh, but I had a huge issue with running through, not just in competitions and, but in practice as well. And so, because I was running through so often, I just wasn't able to develop how I'd like. Uh, on top of that, I just also had fears of going up in poles. Now, I think this kind of was a start because I just had a huge fear of being hurt. Like ever since I was a kid, like I just really always was scared of hurting myself. Uh, crazy. Why would you do pole vaulting? Um, and I guess this also stemmed from in high school, I fractured my spine while vaulting. Uh, and that was something that I say didn't affect me too much, but I can kind of trace back that I started running through a lot after that happened in my junior year of high school. So I would say focusing on the mental side of things is something that I wish that I had done more. Um, other than that, like I worked really hard. I was always in the, the weight room for a pretty good amount of time. I was doing my extra stretches, my extra work, core workouts, things like that. Um, I just really wish that I had put in more time on the mental aspect because that's something that I was definitely lacking in and was one reason that I wasn't as successful as I would have liked to be. So that's probably an issue that I had. Uh, next, uh, who do I think are the, this is from uh, Matthew, what M, uh, what is it? MTJ TV. Um, sorry, I forgot to write your, your thing in here, Matthew. Matthew Parker, he's an awesome guy. You've seen him uh, all on, all on my, uh, all my Instagram. We've had a whole bunch of videos together. But um, yeah, so he asked, what are my top five pole vaulters? So there is a couple different ways that I could go with this. So I don't just think your top five just based off of what your personal best is. Because if you're going off of who are the top five vaulters, then it would be, okay, who are the five vaulters that have the best personal best? And while for the most part, this follows that, it's not going to be that exactly. There's some people that are a little higher on the all-time list I just don't have on here. And I'm going both men and women combined. So this is the men and women list. Uh, for number one, I have Sergi Bubka. So he is the former world record holder. He had his world record for 30 years. He was a six-time world champion. Uh, Olympic champion and a three-time indoor world champion. He just was a all-around winner, completely dominant during his time in the 80s and 90s for both Soviet for the Soviet Union and then Ukraine to finish off his career. And um, he yeah, he he broke his world record so often. There's actually a funny thing when he regained the world record because he had it for a little uh, in the beginning of the 80s and then he lost it uh in was august 31st in 1981 and so he lost it for a little while and then like because some guy broke it in the morning let's just say around 4 p.m and then he had a competition later that night around let's just say 9 p.m and he heard that that guy had broken his world record like an hour or so before and so then he just bumped up that bar by one centimeter and rebroke the world record so uh yeah, ultimate competitor. So I got to have him number one. Uh, and then number two, this is a guy that I think is very shortly going to take over Sergi Bubka in pole vaulting. Uh, it just is a matter of time because he's just so young in his career. And that is Mondo Duplantis. So he's the current world record holder for indoors as well as outdoors, has a personal best of 6.18 meters, 
He is the Olympic champion in this previous 2020 Olympics, as well as a silver uh, world champion, and he has won Euros for both indoors and outdoors. And so uh, this is a guy that I think is the most talented vaulter we've ever seen. Uh, if you've seen his jumps over that 618 bar and all the other jumps that he has over six meters, he is just skying over it and has a ton of room to be breaking over 6.2 and maybe even get into the six into get into the six threes. I mean, he is easily the best talented vaulter we have right now. And it's partially because he started vaulting when he was three and four. I mean, he's someone that is truly, truly amazing at the sport. And I think will go down as being one of the best track and field athletes that we've ever seen um, very shortly. It's just a matter of time for him because he's so young in his career. He's only 21 years old. He's going to have plenty of time to break more world records, to win more Olympic medals. Uh, I think he might be the first male to go and win two Olympic pole vault championships. Uh, no one's ever done that. Uh, Bubka only won it once. And then another guy who I'm going to be talking about later is only one at once. Uh, so I think he has a chance to, to do it and he could easily do it in back-to-back -back years. There's no other vaulter in the world right now that can check Mondo. Uh, if Mondo has a good day, it's game over. Even if he has a bad day, you have to have a, a great day if you want to beat him. He's just that good right now. Uh, next, I have on the women's side, Yelena Izimbayeva, a uh, Russian pole vaulter. She is the current world record holder, two-time Olympic champion, uh, Olympic bronze medalist, as well as a three-time world champion. She is easily one of the most dominant pole vaulters on the women's side that we've ever seen. Uh, she obviously had her career cut short because of the Russian uh, doping scandals that, that went along, but she has just been super, super dominant in the pole vaults. Uh, her best is, what, 5.06. She she's had the world record since, the, since, I believe, 1994. And the only other person that... Have, there's only been two other vaulters that have broken five meters. Um, Sandy Morris was one of them, I believe. And then the other one was uh, Azalenka, what was it, Azalenka Serdova. She just broke it uh, this year at the, what was it, the Diamond League final. So um, she's been the, she's easily the most consistent uh, woman vaulter that we've seen and the most consistent woman at such a high level. So she's, I definitely got to have her at three. At four, Renault Lavillenay, former world record holder, broke it in 2014. Uh, he's also the former Olympic champion. He got silver in 2016 and then gold in 2012. Uh, and he's also got silver at Worlds and then various European championships. Uh, he's a guy where, if you look at him vaulting now, like he's clearly no longer as great as he used to be. He's still very, very good. Uh, I'm, I'll be interested to see how much longer he's going to be vaulting for. But in the early and late to in like the 2010s and the late 2000s like he was a, a force to be reckoned with like there were a lot of great vaulters around but it seems like uh Renola Villani was always that one guy that would be coming out on top more times than none and so I really think that he he's gonna he has a, a legacy that's going to be going on forever he's one of the biggest names in pole vaulting uh I would say um, all three of these names so far are, are pretty much the, the biggest names, but, um, yeah, I gotta have him at the, the fourth spot there. Um, then taking up the last spot, top five, I have Maxim Tarasov of Russia, uh, Olympic champion, world champion, uh, two-time world silver champion, as well as he also had an Olympic bronze medal, and he is fourth all-time with a best of 6.05. So 
The one person that got knocked uh, that I left off this list was the third overall uh, vault, and that was uh, Sam Kendricks on the men's side. He is someone that I think can do really well. His accolades just aren't quite there. I mean, Tarasov, he's an Olympic champion, where um, Sam Kendricks only has a silver right now. Uh, would have been nice to see what he could have done this year in the Olympics had he been able to compete, but obviously with, with COVID, things weren't able to, to happen because he did test positive, which was unfortunate. But Tarasov, he's someone that was super consistent. If it wasn't from uh, Sergi Bubka, probably would have been even uh, even better and, and more dominant, have some more accolades to his names, to his name. But uh, yeah, he's someone that amazing vaulter and someone that if you're looking at the Russian model, he's one of those guys that that you're looking at. So those would be my my top five. Uh, yeah, so hope that you guys uh, like those. Let me know if you're pole vaulting fans where I got it right, where I got it wrong. Uh, next question. So fourth question, we got two more after this. Uh, Zach Delker, Zach, how you doing, man? Uh, he asks, not being a thrower, um, one second, uh, yeah, not being a thrower, what do you think is the hardest part of throwing? So he's completely right. I'm not a, I'm not much of a thrower, but if I were to guess, so obviously for me, physically, it would be just throwing the dang shot because that's insanely hard in my mind. Like I'm nowhere near as strong. And when I see that the world record holder is able to throw from one foul line to another foul line with one arm, a 16 pound ball. My mind cannot comprehend that. Like I just cannot understand how someone can throw that so far. Uh, if I were to say, I, I'm guessing the hardest part is probably just staying in the circle in my mind, because you're throw, you're trying to throw this ball or this this disc or this uh, ball and chain, whatever it might be, you're trying to throw this thing as far as you can, and then you have to stay in the circle. And so I think it would be so easy in my mind to just let it go and then step over the, the edge, but that's something that you are not able to do. So you can't put 100% of the throw. You have to be more controlled because if you put in 100% of your thing, you're going to foul and it's not going to count. So you have to be controlled with how hard you throw it. And I feel like controlling your strength and controlling your speed and controlling all of that when you're in a sport that is essentially all about brute strength, uh, as well as, you know, technique, obviously, I think that's got to be very hard. I mean, that can't be easy. So if I had to guess, I'd say throwing, uh, staying in the circle after your throw in any event has got to be difficult. But Zach, let me know if I am right or not. You're the the, the patented throw experts. So I would love to hear from you, uh, your thoughts on that. Uh, next one. So the official J says, sure, Usain Bolt is the fastest, but is he the greatest track and field athlete of all time? Uh, short answer, yes. Um, I don't see any other track and field athlete that is really that close to the greatness that Usain Bolt has had. I mean, he is just head and shoulders been better everywhere he's gone. He's undefeated in the Olympics. Um, and he's got the world records that matter. And he, he's done pretty much everything you can expect of a track and field athlete. Someone that I guess could potentially challenge it, depending on how the remainder of his career goes, would be Ryan Krauser. Um, but I mean, it's difficult because you're only competing in one event. 
I guess you could also say is potentially Safan Hassan. Like I'm thinking of people currently that could challenge him because I don't think there's many people from the past. Maybe Safan Hassan could if she if she ends up being able to do the triple. Like I mean, obviously, if she had gotten the the 1500 meter win, she that would have been great. If she could get some some world records within that 5k or 10k. That would be something that's amazing. Uh, I think a thing Mo could challenge for the the greatest track and field athlete of all time, depending on if she's able to break that 800 meter world record. Uh, if Elaine Thompson hurrah, if she can win. The if she can break the world record in the 100, I think she has a really good, um, you know, debate for that because she's already done the double with the 100 and 200 meter wins in both the 2016 as well as the 2020 Olympics. So if she can do that again, then she just did exactly what Bolt did. And if she can capture those world records, which, you know, breaking Flojo seems insane, but, you know, Breaking Usain Bolt is also insane. And so I think she has potential to do it. Will she? I'm not sure. But I think she has potential to be that person. Um, and she'll have to do it fast. I mean, there's not many more years that she's going to be right in her prime to be able to break world records. She's going to have plenty of time to run fast. But how much time does she have to break the world record? I mean, she might have another two or three years, I think, before the amount of time that she has to break world records is going to be going because, you know, you got to be fast. I mean, Usain Bolt was, what, 21 when he broke that in 2009? So uh, she's going to have to start getting on her horse with that. Uh, then last one also from Official J. Uh, he asks, so is Usain Bolt's 1926 – or sorry, is Johan Blake's 1926 better than – Usain Bolt's 1919. So what he's referring to is when Johan Blake ran the 19.26 in the uh, 2011 season, was that better than Usain Bolt's 19.19 world record that he did in 2009? So uh, I think that it was obviously, so some person would say, oh, obviously not because Usain Bolt ran faster. And some, you know, if you're, if you're not, you know, too, if you didn't see the race or you don't know the technique about it or whatever, like, yes, obviously Usain Bolt won with a faster time. Uh, but I think that, so Usain Bolt had a better start and a curve. The curve that Usain Bolt ran on that 1919 was perfect. It doesn't get much better than that. He was taking the, the lead early. Uh, and this was one of those races that are very few races that, Bolt's start was not bad. He usually kind of struggles to get out the blocks and because he's just so tall, but that one race, he, he didn't struggle and he had a very, very good start. And that really had a, led him to have a great curve, which got him ahead of everybody else very quickly. He was about two or three meters ahead of everybody by the time the curve ended. And so it was just a, you know, a home stretch for him. There was really no debate he was going to win. For Johan Blake, his start wasn't as great. Uh, his block start wasn't fantastic. His curve was okay. He wasn't in the lead going out of the curve. He was right in the mix. I think he was like tied for first or just barely ahead. And then after um, the curve, he, that's when he started really blowing by everybody. And so his straightaway was fantastic there where his curve wasn't as great. Usain Bolt's straightaway was, was good, but uh, Blake's was better. And so I guess like with that, like I'd say technique wise, I mean, Usain Bolt's was great. Uh, I would say Usain Bolt's was better. One, he had the faster time. Two, I think the combination of his curve just being better and then the straightaway being just a little bit, not a little bit worse than, than Blake's makes it so that I think his 1919 is a little bit better than, than Johan Blake's. 
but I think the straightaway is definitely better than, than Bolts was. So, um, yeah, that's going to be the episode. Uh, wanted to just change it up a little bit. I know oftentimes they're doing news and there wasn't too much news going on right now. Uh, something that was interesting was AW had their recent, uh, article and they're saying chasing Bolt and they were talking about, uh, who was it? Trayvon Bromel, Christian Coleman, Arian Knighton, Fred Curley, Andre DeGrasse, and then Lamont Jacobs uh, being the, the future track and field sprinters that are looking to potentially beat Usain Bolt's record and be kind of like that next Bolt. Um, I wasn't able to read the article, but it was cool seeing them talk about some of these up-and-coming track athletes and some that are currently in their prime and how they might be able to be the greatest uh, track sprinters that we've seen. So, that's going to be the it, that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, if you are interested, make sure that you or if you liked it, please make sure that you leave it a like, subscribe, leave a review. Uh, it only takes you five seconds and it really means the world to me. So if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. Also, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes um, that you'll be getting notifications and all that. Uh, if you want more content, go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. We post different clips, news, highlights, um, things like that. So you're definitely not going to want to miss it. Um, oh yeah, I also forgot last week was the anniversary of track world news. So we're officially one years old now. It was October 6th was our one year anniversary. And I want to thank you all for being with us for this journey, whether you were with us from day one or you just started on this episode. I want to thank you guys all so much. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. I mean, literally we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff with, uh, the season not really even starting, not knowing if we're even going to have an indoor track year, having the Olympics be pushed back and then going through this year and then now transitioning to the next season. Uh, thank you so much for all this love and support. It really does mean a lot. And I'm excited to see where we're going to be at this time next year when we're celebrating year two. But uh, thank you to everyone. And um, yeah, hope you guys have a good one and talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs> I'm not going to